Get ready for a journey into the heart of Bridgeport politics with In Absentia, a new podcast from Connecticut Public's investigative team, The Accountability Project. Learn about the city's past and present political dysfunction and the systems that enable it. Tune in wherever you get your podcasts. Funding provided by Robert Yeager and the Tao Foundation. We are so happy you've committed to play basketball here next year. Yeah, I decided to take a longer tour of the campus. What's that building up on the hill? Oh, that's, um, it's like a science teachy place where they, they combine things and they, they burn them. Is that the chemistry building? Yes, I'm, I didn't realize you knew that word. I know what chemistry is. I might even take chemistry. Maybe not as a freshman, but after all, I'm going to be here four years. Nobody told me about your deadpan humor. No, really. I might stay four years. Yeah, try telling that to Antonio Bacon. Who's that? He is this awesome ninth grader in Ovilla, Texas. He's slated to replace the guy who replaces the guy who replaces you when you go to the NBA next year. Maybe I should take chemistry this year. Oh, no, 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 no. no. We've already picked out your courses. Here's your schedule. Remedial Swahili, Introduction to Social Dances of North America, The Essays and Short Fiction of Seth Davis? Yeah, that dude is deep. You're making a lot of assumptions. I want to have a real college experience. I was thinking about going out for an acapella group. There's no time for that, but you are signed up for a musical theater course where you will be appearing in a production of Pippin. Oh, I love that musical. I saw it on Broadway. Want to hear me do My Corner of the Sky? Oh, no, 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 that's the wrong musical. This is Pippin. A musical about the second best basketball player in Chicago. It's only 17 minutes long. You play Dennis Rodman. It's almost as if you don't believe in me as a scholar. (laughs) You got me again, man. You are a riot. This tour is giving me an appetite. Let's go over to the players' lounge. You guys get free smoothies and power bars. Then massage and a hot tub. Does that sound good? Where, where'd he go? While I try to find him, get ready for our annual bracketology show. And now he's still winded from beating George R.R. R. Martin one-on-one, Colin McEnroe. Yeah, I had to use my speed against George R.R. R. Martin. If, that's, if that intro sounds a little bit familiar, it's actually from a for, few... First few. time you ever had enough, wasn't right, it? Right, exactly. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, sounds, if it sounds familiar, it's from a couple of years ago. I'm in a slump right now, having trouble writing comedy. So, But we have all these great, you know... Uh, intros about basketball that I wrote back when I was funny and was not in a slump. So so don't worry. Uh, so joining us now as they do every year, every year since the beginning of time or yes. maybe 2012, something like that, um, <laughs> it are uh, Bill Curry and Julia Pastel. Every year they come and they help us uh, enjoy Bracketology, March Madness, the NCAA Championships, whatever you choose to call them. There actually was one year that we took off because we instead we did bracketology for a bird, a state bird, and I now don't remember what bird won. But we had like a whole. Were you there for the bird? I bracket? was there for the yeah. bird. Yeah, the bird bracket show. But you don't you don't know which bird won either. I believe I chose some kind of hawk 
Um, but I think, you know, in reality, Connecticut's just stuck with a robin like yeah. everybody else. But yeah. you had a Connecticut bird bracketology and the, and the robin didn't win? I think it didn't win. Yeah. Um, but it was having a lot of personal problems. Yeah. So, um, so Bill Curry is here playing the part of Bill Curry. Julia Pistella, founding member of CT Improv, with us as well. If you, what Julia now does is she just comes to the building every day. And sometimes she's on a show and sometimes she's not. She's on a show next week, it turns out. She was here yesterday. She wasn't on a show. But you were a good sport about that. I just flaked out. And, you know, I was ready to go. I was yeah. ready to go. And I accidentally <laughs> you, came a day early. <laughs> you came a day early. Do you feel like in terms of your adrenaline, that's like you were ready to beat Bill yesterday? Yes. You know? And do you feel like maybe it's like, you know. It's like false starts in swimming. You know, you go off the board. And Julia's then a total recidivist, okay? <laughs> She's ready to beat me up every day. Right. That's that absolutely a, true. You never. She needs no notice whatsoever. I was excited because this year my method for choosing the winner of this championship is especially stupid, which I know Bill will hate. <laughs> yeah. So would you like See, to See, the thing is, I always tell people that the only reason this show is done is so that Colin could give me one chance a year <laughs> to show that I know something about something other than politics. Mm-hmm. But then it turns out, like, it took me years to figure out, like, you know, so I'd fill out my bracket every year. I didn't know it was, like, $4 billion to one, you know, to get right. the bracket right. And then he has you come in, and you, like, beat my bracket with stuff like whose mascot can beat up whose mascot. Yeah. And what it's become is a humiliation. And what I've begun to suspect is that that was the original intent. Apparently, we've been doing this since 2010. So it's taken you okay. seven, seven years to realize you're being humiliated. <laughs> well, I was, I Except got, for the bird year. You took say, the, beer, you took the beer bird year off. I, I started getting suspicious about six months ago. Okay. <laughs> so <laughs> so uh, what is your method this year? So this year um, I filled out my bracket based on celebrity alumni of the schools and matching them up against each other, <laughs> not, just not who I like better. Yeah. <laughs> so um, it's really fun, and there's some really, really fun matchups in here, and I had a blast with it. And I so, would just like to take one moment to say what my method yeah, was. What is your method? Yeah, I, I, I picked the team I thought would win. Right. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, very um, nice. That's a very interesting method. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Thank you very much. So, well, Maybe what I, th- this could be my year. Yeah. <laughs> so if you're in some kind of pool, first of all, it's too late for us to help you. There's actually a game going on right now. They're already having kind of a uniform crisis. Princeton is playing Notre Dame. They're both wearing their visiting team uniforms. Unsure why that is. Um, and, but that's the kind of thing that we tend to worry about on this show. It's not that we'll help you fill out your bracket or anything like that. We will enrich your enjoyment of what you do wind up watching mm-hmm. by telling you things you might not have otherwise known. And later in the show, by the way, we're going to uh, be joined by Dave Zirin, uh, who is a sports editor at The Nation, host of the Edge of Sports podcast, and will want to, as usual, make you feel somewhat guilty about watching hardworking athletes who are not getting paid anything while their coaches are making these insane salaries. Uh, and then at the end, one of the things we like to do, we pick a college and we try to highlight something really interesting that they're doing. And Eastern Tennessee State University, they're in the, the big dance this year. Usually, you know, we, all, we have sort of a kinship with Wofford. At the expense of Wofford. At the expense of Wofford, yeah. yeah. So they're, they're You're having them on anyway? We love Wofford, yeah. but they're not there this year. And they have, they, I think, are the only college in the country where you can get a master's degree in storytelling. So we're going to have somebody from the storytelling program on to tell us a story about that or perhaps a story about basketball or, or maybe no story at all. All right. Mm-hmm. So let's get down to brass tacks here. Um, so we're gonna, what we're going to do is we're going to look a little bit at these brackets. I don't think we could talk through every game using uh, Julia's methodology. Mm-hmm. We'd need like three hours to do that. But uh, there are some interesting uh, matchups. I mean, maybe we can just begin. Like I, I know that uh, Bill is keenly aware of one of Villanova's 
famous uh, alumnus is Villanova plays um, Mount St. Mary's in the first round. So, um, so how did, what did you do with that? Okay, well, when you Google, oh, also, I'm heavily relying on the internet for this, so <laughs> there could be a lot of errors. <laughs> um, Villanova is very proud of Bradley Cooper, yeah. uh, the actor. Mm-hmm. He went there, and they're playing against Mount St. Mary's, um, and I was initially excited to see that there was a Supreme Court justice, Edward Douglas White, uh, who went there, but he upheld separate but equal under Plessy versus Ferguson. So I gave it to Bradley Cooper, a.k.a. Villanova, on this one. Although we yeah. could any, go, any yeah. Connecticut celebrities come up by any chance? <laughs> no. Yeah, not, a, not at large. I guess. Only yeah, very a, handsome. <laughs> he's making he's making the point that John Rowland uh, is a graduate of mm. uh, Villanova, currently imprisoned. Which is why I was rooting for Hans Gruber in Die Hard. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, I would like to point out that at Mount St. Mary's. First of all, two things about Mount St. Mary's. They're they're barely in this thing. They're pl- you're playing a, a heavily favorite. They had to do a play-in game to get in. Mount St. Mary's, there's this amazing story that uh, there was a thing, thing called like Mount St. Mary's Industrial, which or something like yeah. that, that was a orphanage and and uh, sort of a reform a reform school. And the young Babe Ruth came to uh, Mount St. Mary's campus to pitch and was seen by a big league pitcher. Uh, and that was the first time anybody realized that there was somebody named Babe Ruth or George Ruth. I thought he was in the orphanage, no? He was, yeah. He, oh, was, yeah. he, okay, was, sorry, yeah. he, he was pitching on behalf of his orphanage. Yeah, okay. Um, so I, I think that's sort of a nice thing. And then also, um, so there's actually a Mount St. Mary's and a St. Mary's in this tournament. And uh, on occasion, so St. Mary's is a much bigger, more famous uh, college basketball program and a big rival to Gonzaga. And apparently on some occasions, the Gonzaga fans have turned out thinking they were about to see their powerhouse arch rival, uh, St. Mary's, and it's Mount St. Mary's, and they're all everybody's really disappointed. So mm-hmm. I feel bad for Mount St. Mary's. But, wow, you yeah. have a quality of empathy about you that is <laughs> truly striking. All right, so that's that game. But I mean, basically, Villanova's going to win that game. So, uh, what other teams do we want to talk about here? Uh, going down, what we think of as the left side of the ballot. Um, well, we should talk very. We have to talk about Duke versus Troy, just because everybody hates Duke. But Liz, using your analysis, Julia. Uh, when you look at that Duke Troy game, what do you see happening? Yes, I was not excited. Hector about obviously this would game. be Troy's most famous. <laughs> sitting here, yeah, go ahead. <laughs> so the celebrities I chose to <laughs> you feel represent those surround Troy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. I chose to represent these. Well, we have Tim Cook of Apple. He went to Duke. Um, I'm not a big fan of his or Apple's, but fine. He's a big guy. Um, and then for Troy, I thought this guy was funny. Um, Bobby John Drinkard. He was on Survivor. He was the Cosmo Bachelor of the Year, and he's also a model. Yeah. Oh, Troy's going to win, though. Yeah. Yeah, that you have is Troy what I that thought. Game? Yes, yeah. I do. You I would have... just like to point out yeah. that, there's, that, that there's a good chance that any one of two or three of the Duke players could be sulking in his tent. Right. Mm. So, you know, don't mm-hmm. count these guys out. That's mm-hmm. all I'm saying. Nice Homeric reference there. Yeah. So, But you actually <laughs> have Duke you. going all the way, right? How do you I do. sleep? I, How do you sleep? I well, let me just say, I, I look. I post this on Facebook. Anyway? I can't come clean about this thing, and I, I realize that fundamentally, what happened today is that in order to win a lousy office pool and show up, Julia, yeah. mm-hmm. I betrayed my state and almost all of my own personal values and picked Duke to win it all. Very sad. And I don't feel good about this. Mm. Uh, I, I I will say this: if by any chance Duke goes out in the first round. 
I will get a tape of that game and watch it every year for the rest of my life. I'll be the happiest guy in in, in TV land. Can, but, you, can you explain but to they the... they look awfully to, good. I saw them early in the yeah. year, and they didn't look good. And they have a, a particularly problematic... Every one of these guys has like either a spoiled parent or a spoiled child connected to their team. Right. Or a spoiled coach. There's, there's no way to... Fa- th- th- this is like... This is the year in which you just as soon vote everybody off the island. Right. Uh, but uh, if Duke pulls this together, they really have... Just you know, just three uh, fabulous players, and they're playing like Duke. And again, can you explain can for people them, who, who are listening who don't follow basketball all that much? Because uh, we really try to pitch the show uh, at them uh, as well. Why people hate Duke so much? Using the moral theology that the Jesuits tried to impart to you in your time at Georgetown, maybe you can explain why do people hate uh, Duke so much? Well, first of all, everybody hates anybody they lose to in college basketball land and probably in life itself. And so Duke beat a lot of people. And let's just put that right out of the table. That's not really a big problem here in Connecticut because we beat them twice in the Final Four. Right. And so, you know, we, we, we're we up in that. But what they've done, I would say most of all, and I think people actually hate them slightly less now than they used to. And I'll tell you why. Because Duke has had this type of player, the Bobby Hurley, Christian Leitner, over the years, he's very tough and also arrogant players. Christian Leitner is probably the late, least popular person ever to play Division One basketball. He actually won a pool. In the, <laughs> yeah, he won. It's true. Grantland did. Grantland did kind of a bracket of the most hated basketball players. And he came in first. He place. came in well, first. I, yeah. I wish that's the pool. I wish I could have gotten into. Yeah. And the thing is, nobody hangs around at college long enough to be that hated anymore. Uh, you know, Christian Leitner was there for four full years. I was watching a Detroit Pistons play the Celtics recently, and Andre Drummond comes on. And in and it, and, and the, and the bottom of the screen says, Andre Drummond, UConn. And I thought, oh, right, I forgot. Yeah, he's, he's one of the biggest stars in the league now. He was there for a year doing something. I, I, I couldn't even remember that he'd been around. <laughs> and, uh, and so there are fewer Duke players to hate simply because there's so much more basketball on television and they don't stay Duke used to all they always used to stay 4 years no more. Hmm. All right, so uh, on the other hand, Duke does but have they great... were a bunch of jerks. Yeah. Uh, and by the way, coach K uh, is uh, again and I know I know that there's no trash talking on public radio. I mean, I know that's the rule, but Coach K is a jerk, and that's yeah, another reason. Clearly, I haven't listened to this show. Um, <laughs> they actually do have right now Grayson Allen, who I regard as the dirtiest and most hateable basketball player in the history of the sport. Just because of those three trippy, uh, I like the no, fact like that those twenty he trips. Goes, he goes out well, but the ones, the, but this this year, the two that he goes, he, he's he's suspended for a single game for two blatant trips. And then trips a guy in his first game back. Right. I thought, but one thing you had to give this guy credit for was like a tenacity and brazenness. He tried to trip Michelle Obama at the inauguration. He trips everybody. All right. So we have to keep moving here. Got to keep moving, 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 moving. So I don't know. As you look down the left side of the um, brackets there, uh, Julia, is there using your methodology? Is there a game that jumps out of at you as having in you know on that kind of alumni basis? Uh, yes. Okay. Yeah. What do you What do you What do you like? Well, there were some really fun mashups, like right next uh, down the line, Frank Lloyd Wright uh, of Wisconsin and Hoda Cutby of Virginia Tech. That's hilarious. Obviously, we have to give it to Frank Lloyd Wright. Yeah, Frank Lloyd Wright over Hoda. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, and then in this uh, this whole side has got a lot of because because the other thing is that like the, I mean Virginia Tech players might be drinking a lot of wine during the day. Can I interrupt you to say one thing? Yes. The listeners, what the listeners might want to do here is. Be sure to picture each of these celebrity matchups right. as she's going through them. Right. Yes. I see the Frank Lloyd Wright versus Hoda thing one on one, somebody's backyard. But she's got yeah. a she's got a glass of white wine in her hand. And yeah. I, yeah. Yeah. Okay. And I believe yeah. that Hoda could be. And Julia's right. She's losing. 
Yeah, yeah. but I mean, she's trying. I, I respect her. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> next oh, down, we one. have Edgar Allan Poe versus Skeet Ulrich, who is the bad guy in Scream. <laughs> and, you know, they're both which, a little scary. Which, which schools are we looking yeah, at? Edgar we are Allen looking Poe versus Skeet Ulrich. <laughs> uh, that's what you've got. That's basically my intellectual <laughs> range. I don't automatically know where Skeet Ulrich went to college. Sorry, that is Virginia <clears throat> versus UNCW. Yeah. Um, and I actually have Edgar Allan Poe. Skeet Ulrich went to the University of Virginia? No, he went to UNC Wil- 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 Wilmington, right? Uh, okay. Yes, yeah. Edgar Allan Poe went to University of Virginia. Oh, okay, all right. So Sorry. Edgar Allan Poe actually makes it really far um, in my bracket until he ultimately gets knocked out in the Elite Eight um, by Kathy Bates, who, let's see, where well, she see was at SMU. Away, huh? yeah, yeah, I have <laughs> Kathy Bates making it to the final four. Wow. Yeah, and in, in terms of the game that's going on right now, um, Notre Dame and Princeton, we have Condoleezza Rice versus Alan Turing, which is also another fun way to uh, <laughs> think through this. Well, versus Alan Turing? Yeah, yeah. Alan Turing. He uh, well, Briefly, he was at Princeton, right? Yes, yeah. he was. Yeah. Yeah. But he still counts. I don't think he played basketball for them. Uh, none yeah, of these people Bill played Brad. basketball, yeah. except I did let Magic Johnson slip through because he is moving over to the Midwest. Magic Johnson went to Michigan State. And Dwayne The Rock Johnson went to Miami. So that's Johnson versus Johnson, obviously giving it to Magic. All right. So um, just very quickly, a couple of things. Hans Gruber did play for Duke for one year. So uh, <laughs> he was just over from Germany. Yeah, uh, and still Christian Leitner came out yeah, first in that poll, had, which is really quite striking. He, he wasn't great. <laughs> he didn't get a lot of games, but he had some length, so they liked him. All right, so I just want to tell you that we also have the UNC Wilmington uh, and Virginia game is going. And that's there's sort of an upset maybe in the making here. Uh, UNC Wilmington is now leading Virginia. Boy, they're making it very hard for me to read it here. Yeah, 28 to 19 in the first half. So that would be um, good news for Skeet Ulrich. And you know, oh and you know who had <coughs> University of <coughs> Wilmington uh, winning yeah. that game? Who you? Yeah, me. Yeah. yeah, I just want to point that out. Wow. Not not just just not just because I want to brag or anything, but yeah. Well, that that's mostly the reason. That's actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's, the, I think that is the main reason. Yeah, it's it's the main awkward. reason. It's getting closer <laughs> right now. Actually, uh, UNC Wilmington has my favorite name of a player in the tournament, Devonte Kaycock. Uh, yes. So. Um, so that I'm overcame pretty... much hardship, including the name Devontae yeah. Kaycock, to yeah, make it this know. far. It so been a plus, we too. should be right. We should be rooting for it. It could be. It could have been a plus. All right. So we're going to get. Um, take, we're going to a take a break. We're going to get momentarily somewhat serious uh, about this, uh, more serious than we typically are inclined to be, because actually it is something we should at least talk about briefly every year, which is the plight of these players. And uh, Dave Zirin is going to join us to do that. Chips. They go against Duke. Chef C. Kanye, two o'clock, they play. They play against the winner, Rick Ross, Miami U. Snoop Dogg, USC. All right, welcome back. It's our annual March Madness show. We always bring in uh, Bill Curry, playing the part of Bill Curry. Julia Pastel, founding member of CT Improv. They filled out their brackets. You'll find out uh, what they came up with. But uh, we also uh, like to have a few other guests from outside right now. We're so excited to have uh, a guy who really represents one of the consciences uh, in sports writing and sports journalism, Dave Zirin, sports editor at The Nation and the host of the Edge of Sports podcast. Uh, Dave Zirin, welcome to our conversation. Thank you. I love the pre-commercial intro of, well, we're having a lot of fun, but let's take a break from that. Well, yeah, that probably wasn't the right way to set it up. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> but, it, but it is. Wow. I, but what you write about is actually really important, which is the fact that there's, I mean, what's, what, actually, explain what's happened in the inflation of coach sal- coaches' salaries. Until I read your piece, I had no idea how extreme this was. Oh, it's really intense. And, you know, and I, I love 
bracketology, NCAA, I mean, it's addictive for a reason. I like picking teams on the basis of mascots. That's always fun. I mean, so I, I do that like everybody else. And yet, yes, trying to keep in mind that this system is so screwed up. It is this constitution-free zone of hyper-exploitation that they only get away with uh, for two reasons. One, because we allow it as consumers, and two, because the players themselves uh, tend to come from backgrounds where they really don't have a choice. This is the path that they want to lead. So it's an ugly cartel system, ugly as sin, and uh, let's fill out our brackets. Now, about, <laughs> coaching, about coaching salaries, like this to me exposes the rot of the system. Now, to be clear, there have been critics of the NCAA as long as there's been an NCAA. I mean, people from W.E.B. Du Bois to, uh, to, to Upton Sinclair, you know, wrote against the NCAA and this idea of amateurism uh, dressed up, you know, really dressed up uh, exploitation as amateurism. But I just feel like it's exposed itself so dramatically over the last 20, 30, 40 years. And one of the things I just wrote about was a little bit about John Wooden, who by any measure is the greatest men's uh, college basketball coach ever. If you want to include the women's game, it's John Wooden and Gino Oriema. I mean, that's the only debate worth having. John Wooden won 10 championships in 12 years um, as coach of UCLA. His last year was 1975, which is really not that long ago. And his last year as head coach, he made $35,000. That was the salary at the end of his career, at the peak of his game, thirty-five grand. If you want to do a little adjustment for inflation, thirty-five grand today is about one hundred and fifty grand. So, you know, nice salary for sure. I'm sure many of your listeners out there would love to make one hundred and fifty grand. The top ten coaches in terms of salary in this year's tournament make, on average, slightly over five million dollars a year. Now, we got to ask ourselves this question: How does a $35,000 a year job become a $5 million a year job? And the answer is that the economy of the sport has changed dramatically. And we could do 10 different shows about the 10 different reasons why the economy has changed so much in college athletics. The big highlight reasons are you know, cable television and sneaker money. Uh, you know, Put that on the top of the list. Bracketology is certainly a part of it, the fact that it's become this national obsession that has generated income unto itself. But what is so screwed up is that even though the economy of the sport has changed so dramatically, the position of the player is really not that different today than it was in 1975. If anything, the position of the player is worse in that they have to travel more, play more games, and have less time to be a quote-unquote student-athlete than they did before, which matters because what that means is that the actual value of the scholarship, and you always hear about that, oh, they get a free education, but the actual value of the scholarship is much less than it was four decades ago if we value the scholarship on the basis of the opportunity to take classes and be part of a university. So, uh, Julia, when we invited you, I think mm -hmm. we didn't mention this was a dirty cartel. Uh, no. If you want to just walk out of the show right now, I mean, it's, it's, it's okay. I mean, I think these are great points, and the numbers are really <laughs> shocking. The, the <laughs> assumption being that I and have I'm no not, principles. No, that you already know. Dave, Dave, Dave oh, I just sorry. wanted uh, two things. One, I was wondering if you know offhand whether that uh, in the, the $5 million is uh, all university's uh, salary and perks or if it includes the outside dough. But I also just want to point out that it's the same 40-year period in which the entire American middle class didn't get a raise. 
and in yeah. which the top one mm-hmm. percent went through the roof and then yeah. the stratosphere and then left the galaxy. And so it's yeah. you know you know this is this is uh, since since you write for the nation you know this, <laughs> but it's uh, it's part and parcel with the economy we're all living under. Yes, yeah, symbolic of much broader trends, which is why though it's like when we start asking and people might disagree with me about this, and I can certainly respect that. Sorry about. We start uh, asking like how you actually turn that situation around this you know generational one-sided class war against people who work for a living. I mean, it really is going to happen one struggle at a time, mm-hmm. and it's going to happen when we highlight issues that we're all aware of. I mean, mm-hmm. it's going to be it's hard to rally the masses by speaking about the plight of the plumber, mm-hmm. you know, because it's just not something that people think about. It would be great if it was. And it, it, it's my wife's. A, my wife's a teacher. I'd love for the conversation to be about the plight of the public school teacher. But when you start talking about this kind of shared experience that is March Madness, the shared bracketology, it provides an opportunity to have a national discussion about the hyper-exploitation that does exist at the college game. But absolutely, those things are lined up very neatly in terms of like inflation of salaries at the professional level and the hyper, hyper exploitation at the collegiate level and how difficult it is to even get people to organize to fight against it. Dave, do you it worry that this, the, the phenomenon you're describing and the phenomenon Bill's describing out there in society would just kind of um, increase or, or be mirrored in any kind of payment structure? In, in other words, presumably Virginia has a lot more money to play a basketball player than East Tennessee State does. Yeah, and I think that that's certainly true, but it's also true at this time that it's not like we have a level playing field now. Like to take football, for example, it's not like just because neither Alabama nor Coastal Carolina can pay players, that doesn't mean that Alabama and Coastal Carolina are just like, you know, two pieces, two two kinds of deodorant Mm -hmm. that you go into CVS and you just choose which deodorant you want more. You know, Alabama offers something that Coastal Carolina doesn't already from insane state-of-the-art workout and training facilities to connections to the NFL where Nick Saban and the assistant coaches there just have to pick up a phone and they can get any coach or scout in the entire National Football League. That, and this is something the NLRB has determined what I'm saying right now is that that in and of itself is a form of payment that's being offered the same way if a school can offer academic support like i've been to like academic support programs at different universities around the country and there's no limits as far as like what those academic support programs can offer in terms of quality and that's different as well school to school although at it's coastal carolina the, I, you get to be a chanticleer that's the, the only real you get to be a chanticleer yeah, yeah i only <laughs> They're my favorite mascot. I'm, they really glad. Are, I'm impressed that you knew that. Yeah, Bill, what, what did you want well, to just, say? Just that the money thing drives everything, and, and uh, uh, you know, that it, it, you all see the disparity just in the schools. Uh, uh, in, in the quarter century since 1991, four schools have won 60% of all the championships mm. and, exactly. almost, and almost 70% of all the Final Four berths. We're lucky to have one of them here, uh, but it's, you know, it's Kentucky, Duke, North Carolina, and UConn. And you throw in one or two other schools, and just and there's nothing. Whereas it wasn't that way before, and so in, in the money's driving that. And in, in there's something lost of all this. We used to be in the Yankee Conference, UConn, with the five other New England states, mm-hmm. and then at least we were in the Big East with state with schools that a lot of our Connecticut people went to and felt rivalry with, mm-hmm. and and were within driving distance. 
And now all of these schools, driven by football, driven by the greed surrounding football especially, but all of the greed, you, you, you play people you don't know. The seasons, each sport was for a season. It was a summer game, a winter mm-hmm. game, a fall game. And now they all, they've broken all those boundaries for money. They've lost all their natural community for money. The, the kids don't stay there long enough to really root for them. They're strangers passing through. The thing has been, it's lost so much of what made it so beautiful. And partly, I think, that we just, we all still love it. I mean, it, it's still the, it's a great game to watch. It's still really fun, though, no, isn't no, it? it's still a really great game. <laughs> but we're nostalgic for it. We're, you know, it, 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 it reminds us of what it used to be. By the way. Well, I, I interviewed somebody who I know you guys are very familiar with, uh, Randy Edsel. Uh-huh. Uh, when he was yeah. at the University of Maryland football coach here. And I'll, this, to me, just makes it so clear. Like, like he, in the same interview, Randy Edsel said to me two things. One, I asked him about paying players, and he said that would ruin what's unique about, the, about NCAA sports and about amateurism. And then I asked him about the fact that Maryland – uh, you know, had moved from, you know, the, the ACC where it was this incredible staple uh, school in this historic basketball conference that it moved to the Big Ten, you know, for money and, you know, destroying all no those traditions and rivalries. I had a, cu- a cousin and, of mine, a, a great cousin, a cousin of mine was a great basketball player, Tommy Roy from South Windsor here, a great high school basketball player, and he played for Maryland, started at center for them and when I was at Georgetown. And there's nothing better. I don't. I haven't been to one lately, but going to a game in Cole Fieldhouse then. Oh yeah. Going to any ACC games where, unlike UConn and a lot of other schools, they don't give corporate buyers all the best tickets. The kids mm. flood in. You can feel the building rock. It is a night to remember. And it is a uh, night I, to I remember. wonder what it's like now that they're no longer pay, playing. You know, NC Duke and uh, and uh, NC State. And I, and I hate to be the bearer of bad tidings here, but they're also they're tearing Cole Fieldhouse down to create. Well, that's a tremendous God, I, bummer. I, it pains me. No, you think it's a bummer yet? I didn't tell you what they were tearing it down for. Uh, they're tearing it down so there is an indoor football practice facility for winter. Mm. Wow. And I just got – because that's what the other Big Ten schools have. Now, this is the point where I think i got to point out that other Big Ten schools are in places like, I don't know, Minnesota and Michigan, and we're in Maryland where if there's a half inch of snow on the ground, they call the National Guard. <laughs> so it's like the idea that we even need an indoor foot and we'll tear down this. You know, Cole Fieldhouse is also where Texas Western beat Kentucky in the yep. most politically important NCAA finals ever. All African-American starting five beats an all-white Kentucky team that refused to recruit black players. I mean, that was in Cole Fieldhouse. And it's being torn down ruthlessly for an indoor facility that's not needed. But let me get to the punchline of what Randy Edsel said, because it was so interesting to me. Is I asked him about the team moving to the Big Ten, and he said, well, look, you know, anytime a business is going to need to survive, it's going to have to restructure. That's just the cold reality of capitalism. And I'm just like, well, wait a minute. A second ago, you were talking about amateurism and tradition to argue for not playing players. That is unbelievable. Players. And now all of a sudden, it's, it's you know, the Ayn Rand dystopia. It's like, <laughs> right. which, it, which is it? <laughs> this is why we have Trump, because... For them, 
It's both because that's the most profitable situation. So, so I think I can segue from there, particularly because you just said Trump into one of my other questions. I brought this up uh, in our notes for the thing, but it's good to do this with Dave on it. I'm sure everybody will have some thoughts. And, Julia, I'll start with you because you can't get a word in edgewise against these two guys. Um, So we've been through this thing, this this period that has not, I don't think, quite reached 12 months that I call the era of unexpected outcomes. Mm -hmm. You can include the 2016 uh, presidential election. You can include... uh, the NBA playoffs, particularly when you start looking at how some of these things are progressing and how late, uh, how close to the outcome, the outcome seems to be a different thing. Uh, Same thing for the Cubs in the World Series. Uh, Brexit, uh, the Super Bowl, at one point there are these algorithms that actually rate the chances during the game. Uh, At a certain point, the Falcons had a much better than 90% chance of winning the Super Bowl, and they didn't. And then the Oscars, where Moonlight had, uh, excuse me, where La La Land had a 100% chance of winning the Oscar. They actually had the Oscar in their hands, and they didn't get it. So does this make us think that maybe maybe your method is going to lead to a better result? This is the era of unexpected outcomes. Yeah, I mean, we have—I mean, what we've learned in the last year, if we didn't know it already, is we can't control or predict anything. Um, I mean, maybe some people can predict some moving parts, but in the end, it's all—it's not—I don't want to say random, because what we're talking about here— is human beings. So we're talking about students and coaches who are human and have day-to-day <laughs> experiences that are going to affect their games. Mm. Um, so, I mean, how how can we take 64 teams and know exactly how each player will be feeling on each day? I mean, we might as well um, take a shot at the random because we have no clue what is going to happen with the upsets and how this will all shake out, which is why people like March Madness, uh, right. I've noticed. And you, know who, who, you know who has not learned that lesson? President Obama. He fills out his bracket every year. He goes <laughs> with the highest probabilities for the most part. So um, Dave's, Dave's iron, bear, bearing in mind this is the era of unexpected outcomes, who are you picking to win the uh, NCAA brackets? Okay, can I, can I have just a second to talk about the era of unexpected outcomes? Yeah, sure. Real quick. I mean, I, I think one of the things that's made it so satisfying is it's also meant, if not the death, the mortal wounding of the smug, statistically-based prognosticators. From the Nate hey, Silver yeah. to the baseball <laughs> people who, you know, I grew up a huge baseball fan, and I've felt like I've spent the last 10 years of my life having people much younger than me tell me I don't really understand the sport I grew up watching and playing. And it's, it's a, they have assumed, they've assumed a kind of market supremacy, both in politics and in sports. Mm-hmm. And they have been kneecapped by the events of the last year. Mm. And that is a great joy to see because what's actually kneecapped them is their own arrogance and their own trust in these kinds of algorithms which, frankly, have always been more mysticism than anything rooted in scientific empiricism. Right. So if, you're, if, your bracket has a, if your bracket has a matchup between the Higgs boson and Nate Silver, pick the Higgs boson. It's going to destroy Nate Silver. That's the way reality is working these days. All right, I so mean, go anything on. anything that destroys Nate Silver is a plus. But, but to, 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 to the, Let's and, stop and there you, for a minute, though. No. Go ahead. If, you know, if you, if you apply that idea to the NCAA, once again, it's like it, it, that's, and that's what makes it a wonderful tournament. Like, it makes you look twice, for example, not to sound like a homer, but a team like Maryland, which finished the year terribly, but has a point guard in Mello Trimble, who is the sort of guy who has been there for four years and who has, like, been in this tournament beat before. And maybe the game slows down a little bit for him, and maybe that's even worth a couple of games deep into this tournament, even if the statisticians have written off that team. 
that's what makes it so interesting and, and important to actually like what what I believe your name. Oh, where did Dave go? Dave, you still there? Oh, oh no, no, we no. lost his phone. Actually, that's a good that's a good sign for us to go to a break right now. Uh, and so we'll grab a break. We'll come back. We've got the always popular more after this. <laughs> Today's show is produced by the fighting pants of McNichol College and me, Kyone Wolf. Amanda Fish, a graduate of the University of South Carolina Upstate, worked on our brackets, and our intern is Hazel Cologne. The part of Bill Curry was played by Devontae Kaycock. Find our oldie but goodie shows on WNPR.org slash Colin. On tomorrow's show, the nose looks at bitch goddesses, from Joan Crawford to Reese Witherspoon. And now. Back to Colin. Thanks. <laughs> and Bill is actually pointing at uh, Julia when that term is Nothing <coughs> could be a greater compliment. Yeah. <laughs> um, we will be talking She's tomorrow about both. Why we're doing this with, uh, without Jacques Lamar, I don't know. But we're talking about a uh, feud, uh, which is the uh, story of the Betty Davis uh, and Joan Crawford uh, feud. Uh, and then also Big Little Lies, which stars a lot of very interesting actresses. And for the most part, not all that flattering roles. All right. So um, you wanted 20 seconds to rebut yeah, something. I just want, I just want to say, what I, I, I love the idea of the uh, unexpected outcomes. And when people asked me, in fact, why I was picking UConn to make it to the Final Four when they hadn't been in the tournament, I said, did you, did you watch the Oscars? You know, I'm waiting for somebody to come take, a, take an envelope out and say they're actually in. However, this is still more like the Bush-Clinton stuff when a Bush or a Clinton was on a presidential ticket for eight out of ten years. And for all the reasons that David was talking about and that you've been talking about, and that's why Kansas will match off against Duke in the final and the, this won't change, I don't think, until the revenue model changes or people, or people get principles. So I guess it'll be the revenue model. Mm-hmm. And that may happen when the cable television deals start going south, which could be in the next few years. If, if they all lost a lot of the revenue coming in, it would become more like the game it used to be. Okay, in just a second, we're going to talk to, uh, as promised, uh, uh, Delana Reed, who is um, interim storytelling program coordinator uh, at Eastern uh, Tennessee State University. Maybe the only university in the country where you get your master's in storytelling. But we have to go back to our brackets for a second. Uh, Julia Bastel, who uh, here has been using, let's look over on the right side. Uh, You've been using the kind of famous alumni method uh, to pick these games. Uh, Any particular matchups jump out at you? Sure. Um, well, a really good matchup is Oregon versus Iona, and that would be Ken Kesey versus Don McLean. That is a classic match- wow. matchup. Um, I went with Ken Kesey. Love him. Um, but, I mean, I, I really want to point out um, Michigan versus Oklahoma State. We have J- uh, Michigan is oh, what a school for alumni. They have James Earl Jones, Lucy Liu, Madonna. Just everybody went there. Uh, so I picked James Earl Jones. And he's going up against James Marsden, who you may know as the cowboy in Westworld. So obviously James Earl Jones just destroys over on that end. Darth Vader beats Robot. Yeah, of course, yeah. of course. And then uh, some other good ones. What, what did you do? Look, coincidentally, yeah. Michigan's better. Yeah, Go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> Looking down at the bottom of the right-hand yeah. side, uh, Kentucky versus uh, Northern Kentucky. I also uh, I have a yes. question about what constitutes an alumnus. Like, mm-hmm. do you have to actually graduate to be an alumnus? But anyway, no. what okay. did you do with that? Well, really, uh, on the alumnus question, I, uh, you know, I was Googling very fast. I had to do 64 schools. It was very labor-intensive, so I didn't look too deeply. Um, but this is a great—this is like— um, 
actors who consider themselves activists game. Um, so this is Ashley Judd versus, versus George Clooney. Yeah, that's an Great matchup. Yeah, you going with on this? yeah um, I went with Ashley Judd. I that's, just feel like she's more right sincere uh-huh. and she's in it to win it. And she gave a cool yeah. speech at the Women's March. So let's yeah. let's give it to Ashley. So George Clooney only went there two years. Because I, I, I investigated this as well. Hmm. And uh, they also have- Two very upright citizens, though, yeah. Yes, right. they're great. They, Northern Kentucky, for no reason that I can figure out, is called the Norse. That's what they are. <laughs> they're the Norse. Uh, and Victor E. Viking is their mascot. He's the best yeah, mascot in the Because they're the tournament. North, then, in Kentucky. In Northern right? Kentucky is, is the Norse. This slower, what, huh? Well, I guess really? that is why. I don't know. Yeah. Really. Seems like a very tenuous reason. <laughs> so, Julia, let's cut to the chase on yours. We know that yes. Bruce- So, Bill has picked Duke. Who do you have playing? Duke for the championship. I have Kansas for whom I'll be rooting. All right. Sure, and that would be fine. Kansas is fine because that's Paul Rudd, but I didn't send <laughs> Paul Rudd all the way. See, isn't this so fun? Yeah, not in this um, situation. So my final four are Kathy Bates, SMU, yeah. um, Stephen Colbert, Northwestern, very mm-hmm. exciting, um, James Earl Jones, Michigan, and I have going all the way, winning the whole thing, is Butler because that's Kurt Vonnegut. Oh. And I just feel like it's a Kurt Vonnegut mm. moment we're that's, in yeah, right yeah, now. Yeah, that's, very, that's yeah. a very astute analysis. And I, think, I like the fact that, on the one hand, whereas I sold out every principle I've ever had, you were really true to your own you values really with this. Okay? You yeah. really were yourself. Yes, uh, I exactly. love that. Seth Meyers also went to Northwestern, I think. Yeah. Him and Colbert, awesome. which is pretty. Yeah. I just, my only problem with Northwestern is just the name. It's just a direction. Right, Northwestern. Yeah. That's right. It's not Northwestern yeah. anything. Yeah, and then you got a graduate degree at Up University. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Exactly. <laughs> it's, it's like there's a college called over there. Yeah, you know. We should tell Martha Biondi. Yeah, she's a. The, she's an actual professor out there. Has anybody ever been to the campus who doesn't actually study there? No. Mm. So I have Nobody. a I have a question for you, Bill Curry, about using Julia's mes- me- mm-hmm. method on certain places. So University of Rhode Island is really complicated. You've got Lamar Odom, um, Odom, which ties in the Kardashians. You've got Christian Amanpour and John King from CNN, but you've also got Lion Mike Flynn, General My- Lion was Mike she, Flynn. She was at Rhode Island and not Brown, wasn't she? I think. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. So, uh, well, so why you would so, know something like that off the top of your so head? So why are you? Uh, well, I, does like does Mike Flynn like you know count out or cancel out like in a bad seed? You first know? of all, Julia should know the answer to this question. But let I'm me just say this is momentarily. This I'm is far too big a, a, a question for this context. Whoever graduated Mike Flynn should lose their accreditation. Okay, <laughs> it's not about the uh, forget the tournament. <laughs> You know, so that's, I mean, I'm, I'm surprised that you feel that's a question, but right. go ahead. Yeah, so I mean, what, a, what did you do with a that? A lot yeah. of these schools had alumni who I really did not uh, care for. Like, mm. I mean, a classic that I had to match up was Ryan Lotke versus Kenny Chesney. That's Florida versus Eastern Eastern Tennessee. Careful that, that we're I about to that was easy. We're about to talk to somebody from Eastern Tennessee State <laughs> University. So be well, careful what you say. I I so Kenny have Chesney nothing is, against the school. I yeah. just don't really love Kenny Chesney. But yeah, I tried to you eliminate You took Ryan Lochte yeah. over Kenny Ch- Chesney. Are you kidding me? No, uh you know Kenny Chesney won, but that was the matchup. That was the matchup, yeah. So <laughs> I so, but if someone was truly abhorrent, I tried to just not really include them at all because that was too depressing. So for Rhode Island, what I actually went with is this previous CEO of CBS, 
uh, went there, and that affects my day-to-day life. CVS is a good store, so they <laughs> they moved on uh, in my round. Did you get like I a am in awe oh, of your ability to drag this conversation down this road every year? I am just, yeah. I really, it's amazing. It's an Did amazing you get like a twenty percent coupon of. from CVS for making that. Yeah. So yeah. N- now we do have to. Talk. So I like to highlight the fact that these, you know, colleges and universities are amazing. They're all really, really different. They all have yeah. different things to offer. It's just, you know, Bill once said that, you know, a war is the way Americans learn geography and March Madness is the way that Americans learn about all these colleges that they may not necessarily know anything about. So the aforementioned East Tennessee State University um, is probably, although Delana Reed may be the person to ask about this, probably the only college in the country where you can get your master's in storytelling. So joining us now is, in fact, the interim uh, storytelling program coordinator uh, at the Department of Communication and Performance at East Tennessee State University, Delana Reed. Hi, welcome to our conversation. Hi, thanks for having me. So are you really excited, first of all, about March Madness and basketball on the campus? Are people talking a lot about that? Well, there seems to be some excitement. We saw uh, saw them off uh, a couple of days ago, saw the big bus head out and had a little send-off for them. And, and so tell us about this major. First of all, are you the only university that offers a master's in storytelling? Do you know? Yes, as far as I know. And uh, since we moved into the Department of Communication and Performance, it would be more accurate to say the master's is in professional communication with a concentration in storytelling. Yeah, but I'm a journalist. I tend to simplify things. Yeah, well, that's okay. We we like to too, but just just for the record, yeah. Um, we yeah we're the only one. There are a couple of universities that have courses. There are quite a few universities that may have a single course. Uh, Kennesaw State has storytelling as part of their undergraduate theater minor. Uh, South Mountain Community College out in Arizona has uh, storytelling, but. We're the only one, uh, certainly, that has a graduate degree. Now, Delana, in, in uh, reviewing the catalog, which I did very carefully because I prepared for the show, uh, unlike some of the other people who were on it, um, uh, the... Um, don't worry, Julia, I've got your back. Yeah. I, I, noticed, <laughs> I noticed that there was a course in applied storytelling, like applied engineering or something. I was trying to figure out, what, what is applied storytelling? That course is a, it's in a graduate, undergraduate course. It's an elective for the graduates, uh, required for the undergraduate minor, which we have. That course focuses on how you would use storytelling in a, in a, uh, a career application, mm-hmm. whether it be in business, cause, because it's really big in business right now, business, corporate uh, communication, uh, health fields, education, uh, all of those areas, all kinds of areas, law, where storytelling is used, but it may not be. A social worker would use it, but may not be used. Uh, you're not a performer. You're using it in your job. Mm-hmm. So that's yeah. what that, that So, like, if I was the CEO of CVS, I would yeah. say to Julia, here's why you're not getting a 20% off coupon. That's There's right. a frog and a moose, okay? <laughs> and and that would just build something out of there. I think that's just a great concept. I wish more people in business were storytellers. Well, Delana yeah. Reed, I say uh, go uh, ETSU, uh, you know, just let's uh, whoop up uh, on Florida and uh, go all the way to the big dance. So uh, thank you so much for joining us today.
Thanks for having me. All right. So, see, this is the thing we do. We highlight part of the pedagogical mis- mission here. Mm-hmm. Okay. She's from Tennessee? She's a nice accent. Huh? Did you notice her. that? Yeah. yeah. Very nice accent. Yeah. Um, you don't care. No, I'm working on that story about the frog and the moose and the 20% off coupon. Why you didn't get that? Well, I think the idea of applied storytelling, it is so true. I mean, that's exactly what we're doing here, right? We're taking math and finding all the little stories behind it, and that's that's what Colin has to do every single day. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and very similar to what we do at CT Improv sometimes, yes, too. Yes, of course. So, so there you go. Okay, so we have just a couple of minutes left, and I'll, I'll uh, you know, I mean, Bill, I know you're bursting with insights. Yeah. So maybe you Let's would like it. to share one last one. Well, um, no, actually, I, 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 I won't try to I won't try to peddle this off as an as an insight. Uh, but I really do feel that this is this will be the opposite of what you've predicted. This will not. And the, what, what the NCAA men's basketball tournament is most famous for being is upset city. That's yeah. what people love the most about it. Mm-hmm. And, and I think it's still an example of the stratification uh, of, uh, uh, as, uh, of sort of social economic stratification. And therefore, this will be the first time that everybody who took all the top picks does really, really well. So you're saying that the upset is that there's no upsets. That, you are so zen. Honestly, seriously. <laughs> it's like being saying. with the Dalai Lama, only <laughs> about basketball. So, Julia, going over to the right-hand side of your yes. bracket, counting down about four games to Purdue versus Vermont, that's a game that I'm going to be uh, watching tonight because uh, <laughs> this is a complicated <laughs> f- family thing. So my ex-wife's fella is a Purdue graduate. He's a big Purdue fan. Mm. So my son and I want to go over. We haven't actually been invited, but we're going to go over and with him and join him in rooting for the Boilermakers. You are going to root for them. You're yeah. not going to go over there and cause trouble. No, no, no. Yeah. In fact, we're going right by your house. I'll pick you up. You know, well, you're, and you're really not invited. And, but, um, yeah, yeah. But I'll I, I be a major up. surprise. We All right. So, uh, so, so, so Boilermakers versus the Catamounts. What have you got there? This is great. This is a really funny one. Uh, Purdue has can claim Neil Armstrong, which is incredible. And then <laughs> Vermont, the first person who popped up was a <laughs> guitarist from Fish, so <laughs> it's just delightful. Like they're both, they both take not, you into the stratosphere. It's not Trey though. It's not Trey you, in a stage. You went with him though, didn't you? Yeah. What? No, I went with Neil Armstrong. I'm, I'm nothing if not a nerd. Yeah. Um, so Patriot that that was a really nice mashup. I really enjoyed that one. Um, actually, when they call traveling on Neil Armstrong, they say that was one step for mankind. Oh hey, <laughs> another step. All right, go ahead. You get the last yeah. word. The last word is. That uh, one of the greatest sports dynasties in history is also playing in the next few weeks, and that is the women Huskies. And it comes to the mm-hmm. point where it's, it's like living next to the North Atlantic. You know, people who live right on the ocean. It becomes so beautiful you forget about it. Mm-hmm. This team, it, it, you know, the women's men's games are different. Nobody executes better than this team, and nobody's kept excellence alive for longer. And, uh, and if this particular team may, wins a championship, it actually will be an upset, mm-hmm. even though they're ranked number one. So... This, that part's going to be fun. Yeah. I figure if HBO can do a weekly series on them, we can give them a shout-out from right here in the studio. They're the best. All right. It is time to thank our uh, stalwart panelists who have been doing this since 2010, I've found out. It's Bill Curry playing the part of Bill Curry. Julia Pistel playing the part of Julia well, Pistel, founding think, member of CT know. Improv. She'll be back next week for our March Madness book tournament. Uh, check out at least one of those books, <laughs> which, is, which are The Knicks, Underground Railroad, Mr. Monkey, and Moonglow.
I've picked out Tilda, Wilhelm, Hedda, Otto, Bjorn, Johan, and Annika for my Swede 16. Go, fighting Hublad Hopens! <laughs>